um, yeah, we're looking at these four themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And um, yeah, tonight I'm just going to unpack kind of what that video said a little bit further in this biblical definition of peace, because uh, we use the word peace a lot, uh, but it, it sometimes lacks the fullness of what the Bible means when there's a promise of peace. Um, we kind of tend to use the word peace to kind of mean not conflict, like not problems, or there's no issues, or there's no fighting, or there's no wars. That, that's peace. It's the absence of a problem, um, not necessarily the positive. Um, or we might not view it so much as just the absence of a problem or the absence of conflict. Uh, we might also just view it as like a nice peaceful place. Like you kind of can have peace if you're at the calm sea and you've got a nice cup of tea and everything's just right and everything's safe and you're on holidays and it's great and then you can have peace for like two minutes and it's like then it's going to go. But, but like it's like, a, like nice surroundings is kind of the idea of peace. Um, but the biblical definition is, is much broader and, and deeper and all-encompassing, like um, that video was just explaining. And what I want to do tonight is just take that idea that um, when the Bible uses peace, it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict or it doesn't just mean a nice, peaceful environment. It actually means wholeness or completeness or, or things being made right completely. Um, and just apply that to a few different areas in our lives because we might even feel like that with God. Like, we, we might, even at times, or maybe before hearing about God's grace and his love and Jesus, maybe even we think maybe God's kind of angry, or God's upset, or maybe God's not, not doesn't really care about us, or, or, or something like that. And then we sort of hear about forgiveness, and we hear about grace and, and Jesus, and we might then start to think, okay, well, we have peace with God, which means, okay, God is all good with me. God's not upset at me. God's forgiven me. And it's kind of just like, okay, there's nothing bad's going to happen to me because of forgiveness. But that's like just the removal of the negative rather than the actual embracing of the positive. That it's not God just kind of does the bare minimum. That his heart is even more than that. Uh, there's this verse in Romans 5 that says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is the idea that we have peace with God in the biblical definition. Another way to think of it is not just God's not upset or there's no conflict with God anymore, there's no problems with God anymore, but actually that there's wholeness with God. That God's heart for us is not just to remove some problems or just to sort of sort things out but stay distant. Even like we were just singing. We were singing that we are made for Him, that we find we, we, we need full communion with Him. And that actually, that's God's heart for us, wholeness of relationship with us, wholeness of connection, that we would actually know him deeply and intimately, that he, he actually has that heart for peace for us. Um, there's this quote, which is, is pretty crazy. It says, We believe that, amazingly, considering what God knows about us, we are now and forever part of the family to every member of which God says what he said to Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved child, with you I'm well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, God, God speaks over Jesus and says, you are my child, with you I'm well pleased. And we might sort of think, well, God's not pleased with me. Like, I've stuffed up, I've, I've, I've done all these sort of things, I dishonor God, I've broken these relationships. Like, there's all these reasons why God couldn't ever be pleased with me. But we actually believe because of grace, because of Jesus. Like that verse said, we're justified, which means we're declared in the right by God. 
we're brought into his family. And it's not that he says, you can come in and just stay over there. Like, it's that he says, come in. You are my beloved child. With you, I'm well pleased. Not because of us, not because we've got it all together, but because of Jesus, because of what he's done. That we actually have wholeness with God. This, this vision of peace with God is wholeness with God. In a similar way, we might kind of think about having peace in our relationships with other, other people. And again, we might sort of just think of not fighting. Like, as long as there's no problems, as long as there's no arguments, as long as there's no conflict, we have peace. And we even sort of sometimes speak like that and say, like, we want to keep the peace, which kind of means just keep all the problems under the surface so they don't come up and actually have to deal with them. Like, like we kind of can use peace like that, rather than this idea of wholeness and connection. But God's vision is not just wholeness with God, but wholeness with each other. Um, there's this great verse talking about Jews and Gentiles, these two people um, throughout the story of the Bible, that the two groups that are at war, that have differences, that, that, that there's problems, there's misunderstandings, that Jesus actually unites them. It says this in Ephesians 2, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Jesus sees two groups, and his heart is that he enters in and creates a way for peace, and not just keep the peace or just not conflict, but actually unity. He says that in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So God, Jesus has worked and Ephesians is all about wholeness and, and oneness and God's vision to unite Jew and Gentile and all different people and all things under Jesus. That's God's heart that actually peace leads to wholeness with each other. Actually a unity with each other. A connection with each other. Ken San says it this way, This peace, which is often referred to as unity, is not simply the absence of conflict and strife. Unity is the presence of genuine harmony, understanding, and goodwill between people. It's actually a, a sense of being connected, and actually of being united, and actually being one. That God's heart is not just that we are whole with Him, but with each other in relationships of, of, of love and intimacy and connection. This is uh, reflected even in this verse in, in Philippians, that what we receive from Jesus and we share and pass on with others. Paul says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. God's, God's heart is wholeness, oneness with each other. And, and that actually as we grow with Him, it's, it's that we love God, and if we love God, then we love each other. It's as we grow closer to Him, we actually find that we're connected deeper with each other. Um, the, the, one, of, one of the worship leaders in one of the morning prayers this week um, was just singing, and, and we were praying about unity, and, and they just had this, this vision of God as a Father um, just picking us up and just picking up a bunch of people and, and drawing, um, drawing us close to him. And it's this vision of like as God picks us up and drink, draws us to him, we actually get drawn together. We're actually all held and, and united. That God's heart is we grow with him and actually then grow together. So it's not 
not just, just like no fighting, but actually God's vision is wholeness together. In a similar way, like I was saying before, we, we, we know the need for inward, inner peace. Um, there's, there's so much anxiety in, in our society, in our world. It's a very normal thing to experience anxiety in at least mild, mild ways or maybe even in major ways. And, and peace, in a sense of an inward peace, is so, there's such a desperate need for that. And again, we might sort of think, well, the only way to get that is to, to, to fix the problems or to get away from them or, or what, to just get all the work done or to get all the issues sorted, just, just figure it out and get it all right and then we can have peace. And as long as nothing goes wrong, then we're good. Or, or we have to go to the peaceful place or we have to, have to go on the holiday to get peace or we, we have to do something else to get, get peace. And, and even probably so much marketing is, is selling this, this idea of peace and, and contentment and, and joy and and not that those things are wrong, and not that it's wrong to go to the, down, down to a nice park to have peace. That that's, that's good. But if we think that, that everything has to be in place to have that, that's not a biblical understanding of what is available in terms of inward wholeness and peace. Um, there's this verse that's um, well known about anxiety and peace um, that Paul writes to a church with a lot of difficulties and problems they're facing, and he tells them, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is interesting, defining peace as wholeness, because this word um, that's translated anxious actually means to be apart. Like a biblical definition of anxiety means you're split, or, or you're divided, or you're distracted. Life is not integrated or whole. There's kind of parts. And I guess in some ways in our society, we, that's ha- kind of how we live. Like we have this life and this life and this life and this thing and we've got to manage it all somehow rather than actually it's all one and we're, we've got a wholeness inside. Um, so he says, don't, don't be anxious, don't be split about anything, but come before God with our needs, with our prayers, with thanksgiving. And he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is a situation where there's actually lots of problems going on. There's lots of reasons to be anxious. It's not calm and, and settled and easy. There's, there's major problems. But he says, actually, in the midst of that, you can have wholeness within. It's actually not dependent on the circumstances. So it's not dependent on everything being right. But actually, because we can have wholeness with God, because we can seek wholeness as, as much as we can with each other, and then because of who God is and, and our, our offering to Him of our needs and our anxieties and our requests, there's a, there's a peace that's available even in the midst of difficulty. Um, John Mark Comer says this, The peace of God we are craving, grasping for, will show up in you, over you, around you, even as the winds of life are swirling around you like a tornado. It will guard you like a sentry, keeping you safe, so you safe. Not from suffering, but from anxiety, and doing so from depression. The promise is not that God will just take us out of suffering, but the promise is that in the midst of suffering, there's a peace that's available that actually guards our minds from being split and divided, and therefore, because when it's split and divided over time, eventually it leads to depression. And then this, that, that, that's a simplification. There's, there's more complexity around those issues of anxiety and depression, but... But as, as, as I just understood, understanding this verse, this idea of the mind 
being anxious and divided can affect the emotions and lead to a defeat and a depression. But actually the peace of God can guard that. There can actually be a wholeness within, even in the midst of difficulty and issues. That, that this, this peace, this shalom is wholeness with God, with each other, and even within ourselves in the midst of hardship. And what we're doing this, these few weeks is, is celebrating Advent, which is looking forward to Jesus' first coming. But Jesus has come, so we're also looking back. So we're kind of posturing ourselves as if we were waiting for his first coming, um, like, like people were for thousands of years. We're imagining what that would be like, and we're celebrating his coming at Christmas. But because he has already come, we're also experiencing that actually we are the ones who are waiting for his second coming that the story is not finished, that, it, that it's still going. And he has come and been announced as the Prince of Peace, that that's Jesus' name. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That that's who Jesus is, Prince of Shalom, Prince of of wholeness, prince of completion, prince of peace. That's who Jesus is. And he has come, but then we look forward to his coming again when the fullness of that will be realized. Because this verse in Isaiah 9 keeps going. It starts talking about Jesus reigning. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That one day, Jesus is King and Lord now. One day he will come again and, and fully the kingdom of heaven will come on earth and God will restore all things and Jesus will be in charge. And then that's when the fullness of this promise of peace will be realized forever. And actually, the thing to look forward to is wholeness with all things forever, that actually God is working all things towards that end, that he will come and he will deal with the issues and the problems and he will set everything right. It says this in Colossians, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood, his blood shed on the cross. That he is actually a prince of peace, not in the sense that he stands back and says, it's all good, we'll just keep the peace, we'll just cover over. He's, he's the prince of peace in that he says, we want, I want wholeness in my relationship with humanity, in their relationship with each other, in their relationships with themselves, in all things in the creation, that I'll enter into it and, and bear the cost for that to create peace. That that's actually his heart. That's what he's like. And this is this biblical vision of peace. It's so positive. It's, it's this, this wholeness with all things forever. We kind of look at, at the world and sort of think that that seems so far away, like, or maybe seems impossible, or even just look at our lives and we think, well, this idea of wholeness, there might be so much brokenness or, or things that are split or divided, relationships, maybe even our inner lives our connection with God. Look at the world and peace seems very, very rare. The, the, the normality is war and, and fighting and division. But we don't look at what we see. We look at 
Jesus and his coming and his promise that when he comes again, he will set up peace. And actually, we don't have to just look at the way things look. We actually look at his promise. And this is what we're doing at Advent. We're saying, well, he said that he would come, and he did. So he's saying that he will come again, and he will. So we can look in confidence that one day, if we believe in Jesus and trust him, the hope we have is we will live in a world that's made up like that, complete wholeness, complete peace, complete restoration forever. That, that's the promise. And then we carry that now as peacemakers like Jesus. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We live our lives with that vision. We wait for that day and we live as peacemakers in the meantime. So we're going to respond tonight with communion. And um, we can come forward when you're ready and, and take a biscuit representing Jesus' body and dip it in the juice representing his blood if, if you believe and trust him. And just maybe before you're doing that, just sort of take stock, I suppose, of, of maybe these different areas in, in your life. When I, when I think about wholeness, there's just this inward, yes, that's right. We're made for wholeness with God, with each other, with ourselves, with all things forever. And as we come to communion, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, Jesus is the way to get there. He's the answer to that desire. He's the center. Because maybe we've been trying to make ourselves right with God, it's not going to work. Or we've just been trying in our own strength to fix our relationships and control it's not going to work. We've been trying just to really get in a peace. It's not going to work. We've been trying to fix the world and make peace or just hope that something's going to happen that's going to make it right now. It's like, no, it's Jesus. He's the one that brings wholeness with God. He's the one that heals broken relationships. He's the one that gives peace within. And his coming is the day when peace will be finally realized on earth. As we come to communion, we center on him again. And if, if there is a sense of anxiety maybe in you tonight, often that that sense leads to a desire to control things. If we're anxious, we, we want to fix it. We want to control it. We want to figure it out. We want to make it right. But actually, the, 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 thing, the way to respond to that is actually to let it go, is actually to do the opposite of that feeling and lay it down, is actually offer it to God in prayer, actually offer ourselves to God in prayer, actually offer our own efforts and our own um, fears and our own worries and, and open the hand and, and release to him. And maybe this is an opportunity to do that as we come to take communion as well. So I'm going to pray and then, then you can come in your own time. Jesus, just thank you that you are Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom, that you would go to the cross to reconcile us, to rescue us, Lord, to heal this earth and, and to unite heaven and earth. And God, we just thank you for what's available in you in terms of peace. And we just ask for your presence and your peace and your spirit even tonight. Uh, we just thank you that you, your body was broken and your blood was shed. You died, Lord, to, to win this for us, to, to bring victory and healing and life. And we just ask, God, that you would reveal this to us in a, in a greater way and, and your peace, even that passes understanding, would fill our hearts tonight. So Holy Spirit, would you come and just be at work in our midst? We just pray in your name. Amen.